0: for this uh, terrifying as well as wonderful privilege of bringing God's word uh, before you. Uh, Opening up God's word should be both an envy, a pleasure, as well as a a great fear because of what we're dealing with in opening up this ancient word. Uh, You know, Central Baptist is uh, very close to us as a family, as well as a congregation, Heritage Baptist. Uh, My wife Lydia's uncle was was a preacher, a pastor here many, many moons ago. Um, and um, you know we pray for for Central Baptist at Heritage Baptist at least once or twice a year in fact we were praying for you last week. Um, we were thanking the Lord for the work that's being done here, and we just want you guys to know that we we love you and we uh, as we think about the church building uh, very excited about that and we, we go on our knees often just to ask for for the lord to to make that happen so our scripture text this morning is taken from Genesis chapter seventeen. Genesis chapter seventeen. Please open with me if you can. I see there are a couple of Bibles at the back there if you if you don't have one. I just grab one. I'm gonna be considering what God has to say to us in Genesis chapter seventeen this morning. I hope you've cancelled all your lunch plans because it's a big chapter, we're gonna spend a lot of time here. No, I'm joking. Karaba gave me strict instructions to keep it to 30 minutes if possible. So, good luck to me on that. Genesis chapter 17. Hear with me the reading of God's word. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you, and multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations whether born in your house or bought with money, with your money, from any foreigner who is not your offspring, both he who was born in your house and he who was bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham saw to God, said to God, Oh that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No. But Sarah shall be, but Sarah your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born in his house. Or bought with money, bought with his money every male among them, among the men of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael his son was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishbal were circumcised. And all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. This is the reading of God's word. An article from the Wall Street Journal earlier this year reads as follows. The world's stock and bond markets are closely watching China Evergrande Group, a Chinese property developer that hasn't made payments on his debt if not resolved It threatens to become the largest debt default by a company in Asia, which could jolt investor confidence across markets globally. Beijing seems reluctant to bail out the company, but is taking steps to limit the damage. Here's a quick look at the company, its problems and possible fallout. Evergrande is an enormous and heavily indebted private sector, Chinese uh, property developer and home builder that is close to defaulting on some of its billions of dollars of debt. The most urgent and immediate deadline was September 23rd this year, when the company had $83.5 million in interest payment due on some of its dollar-denominated debt. The company said in September 22 that it resolved to make an interest obligation in yuan-denominated bonds. Yuan is the Chinese currency, which is also due on September 22nd but said it didn't know whether it would pay in cash or other assets if it can't make good in 30 days it could be declared in default the company had an equivalent of around 88 billion dollars in outstanding debt that's roughly 1.2 trillion rand in debt at the end of june this year about 42 percent come in due in less than a year Its total debt burden is amongst is the largest among any publicly traded real estate company in the world This article, friends, it gives us something of what we're seeing in our text this morning. Evergrande is a Chinese property developer and has covenanted with banks and lenders. And as part of his covenant with banks, it is obligated to pay back a large sum of money. This covenant has two parts. It has the banks, which has lent them money. And it has Evergrande, which for its part has to repay that loan at predetermined terms and dates. Failure by Evergrande to meet these obligations would result in a breach of its covenants. We have something of this in our text this morning. What was begun in Genesis chapter 15 is continued in Genesis chapter 17. God has entered into a covenant with Abraham, which is detailed in Genesis chapter 15, wherein he would bless Abraham and make him a father of a multitude of nations. And Abraham's part of the covenant is to walk blamelessly before god and circumcise every male in his household eight days and older friends a tool which i found useful when reading the bible when trying to discern what the purpose of that text is what the author is trying to intend is to try and see if there's a word that has been repeated constantly in that text in our text this morning friends it doesn't take a mathematician to see that the word mathematician, the word, sorry, it doesn't take a mathematician to see that the word covenant has been referenced a number of times. In fact, 13 times, roughly once every two verses. The second most repeated word in our text this morning is the word offspring, being referenced here up to seven times, roughly once every four verses. Now, this tells us something of what the Holy Spirit, through Moses, wants us to glean from this text this morning. God has entered into a covenant with Abraham and his offspring. That's what we want to see. And we want to unpack to see what this implies to us. So this begs a question, friends, what is a covenant? Well, simply put, a covenant is an agreement or a contract between two parties. Another way of looking at it is as an alliance between two parties And we'll unpack a bit more what this looks like in our text this morning. For those who are taking notes this morning, I've split our text in three parts. One, God's introduction of himself, verse 1 to 2. Secondly, the details of God's covenant and the expectation from Abraham. That's verses 3 to 21. And lastly, Abraham's response. So let's go ahead and unpack our text this morning. We see in verse 1 that Abraham was 99 years old when the Lord appeared to him. This is 13 years after Ishmael's birth. You remember, Ishmael was born to Hagar. So it was 13 years after Ishmael's birth. And an even longer period after God first gave his promise to Abraham in chapter 15, in Genesis 15 verse 4. We read here that the Lord appeared to Abraham. There are two things for us to note here. First is the Lord's remembrance of his promise to Abraham of his son. He promises at least 13 years before and then returned to Abraham. Now in our instant gratification generation where we can't wait for more than 10 minutes for a cheeseburger without being impatient... 13 years must seem like an eternity but let's just remember friends that with the lord a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years the lord transcends time though he tarries though it seems like he's forgotten we know that the lord will never forget those who are his does your does it seem like your sufferings are taking forever wait patiently before the lord does it seem like your prayers for holiness are landing on deaf ears maybe it's that recurring sin that keeps coming back even after you continue to fight and make war against it be encouraged the ears of the lord are not too dull to hear friends the lord is never late for an appointment 13 years or eternity his timing is always perfect The second thing to note here for us is just how God condescends to deal with Abraham. It's an incredible thing. Note in verse 1 it says that the Lord appeared to Abraham. Just cast your eyes please quickly to Genesis chapter 15 verse 1. Now you will see there it says the word of the Lord appeared to Abraham in a vision. Now in Genesis chapter 17 rather than the word of God in a vision. We get the sense that God appeared to Abraham in a special way. I happen to work in financial services as my day job. And one of my favorite clients is a gentleman who's 64 years old. And he has a net worth of close to 2 billion. He is my favorite client because although he has double, he's double my age and has infinitely more money than I can. He condescends to take my advice seriously. This client of mine was Tabo right-hand man and is on a first-name basis with the president. But he stoops down low to take my WhatsApp calls and answer my text messages. Friends, this is a useless, worthless example in comparison to how God stoops down low to condescend with Abraham. My client is a, is a man, a mere man, and we know that the best of men are men at best. God is infinitely more valuable, superior, and powerful than any man under the sun. Yet he stoops down low, friends, to deal with us. This reminds me of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though existing from eternity past, he was born in a poor family. He was born in a house for animals. He didn't own any property. The Lord Jesus Christ says of himself, he says, foxes have holes. And birds of the air have nests yet the son of man has nowhere to lay his head and ultimately went and died naked on a cross what humility is this what condescension is this that we're seeing let's continue the lord continues to say in verse 1 he says i am a god almighty god introduces himself To Abraham as God Almighty now this is a name that is unique to God no one can claim to be Almighty although I'm sure you have heard as I have some maniacs who claim this title to themselves the new Bible dictionary describes Almighty this way it says it has the idea of one who has power both to injure and protect just a couple of examples you don't have to go there psalm 68 verse 14 says when the lord almighty scatters kings let snow fall on zalman this gives us the idea of power to injure and destroy psalm 91 verse 1 says he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shelter in the shadow of the almighty again just gives us a sense of the ability to protect let me ask you this question when you hear the word God Almighty, are you filled with terror or with joy? Or even worse, are you, are you indifferent to that? Those who are not his, those who do not belong to Christ, these words should strike you with terror. Hebrews 10.31 says this, it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the Almighty. However, to those who are his, these words, God Almighty, should be a source of comfort, because they imply protection. Now God continues in verse 1 to say to Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. What should Abraham's response be on the basis of who God is? I'm convinced that one of the reasons why we continue to sin and not take holiness seriously. Is because we've forgotten who God is. The fear of the Lord has been minimized in us. On the basis of who God is. God tells Abraham to walk blamelessly before him. Are you heeding that call? Are you, Are you walking blamelessly before God on the basis of who he is? Or does it not matter what God says to you? Are we comfortable to keep watering our darling sins in the garden? My friend, the call is to walk blamelessly before God on the basis of who he is. Let's move to our our second point now, which is God's promise to Abraham. I'm going to read from verse 3. It says, Then Abraham fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be a father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. be god to you and to your offspring after you and i will give you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings the land of canaan for an everlasting possession. and i will be their god some of your translations i think it's the niv that begins verse four with as for me god saying as for me my part of the covenant is this you can contrast this with verse 9 which says as for you right two people to this God says I going to do this as for me you Abraham as for you you're gonna do that now this is God's covenant with Abraham Abraham will be a father of many nations notice something peculiar here notice that in verse 4 it doesn't say Abraham will be a father of one nation being Israel but many nations repeat it again in verse 5 now, this must have come as a surprise to the original heroes. Imagine sitting here with a father of multi, and you say, What? I thought Abraham was our father, us, the Israelites, the chosen ones, the unique ones. And you couldn't fault them for thinking this way. So what is going on here? Notice how he also refers to in verse 8 and 9 references being made to one offspring. The Offspring of Abraham would also enjoy the benefits of of this covenant and now who is this offspring we are going to let scripture interpret scripture now we're going to let the clearer portions of scripture interpret the less clearer portions so go with me please to galatians chapter 3 let's go to galatians chapter 3 in the new testament and i'm going to be reading from verse 7 Galatians chapter three. I'm going to be reading from verse seven. This is what he says: Know that that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, "In you shall all the nations be blessed." So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And he continues to say, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Curses everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them christ redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who is hung upon a tree so that christ jesus the blessing so that in christ jesus the blessing of abraham might come to the gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit to give a human example brothers even when a man with a man-made covenant no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified now listen to this now the promises thats what i was getting to now the promises were made to abraham and to his offspring listen to this it does not say and to offsprings referring to many but referring to one and to your offspring who is christ jump with me it's the same chapter let's go to the end of the, of the chapter verse 29 still galatians 3 listen to this And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, is according to the promise. The promises that we see being made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17 are fulfilled in Christ, the one offspring of Abraham. And enjoyed by those who come in faith through Christ who are also in covenant with God for God to keep them and give them a land of their sojournings. That's the new heavens and the new earth in Christ. Friends, all the promises of God, Genesis to Revelations, are fulfilled in Christ. They find their yes and amen in Christ as 2 Corinthians 2, 20 tells us. Do you want to enjoy true the true blessings of God. Do you want to enjoy and see the fulfillment of the promises of God, Genesis to Revelations? Come to Christ. Apart from him, the thing that you dread most will come upon you. But it's only in him that you find true blessings. Let's carry on in chapter in verse 9, back to Genesis. back to our text genesis 17 verse 9 says and god said to abraham as for you remember what i told you we saw in verse 3 verse 4 god said as for me now we're moving to the other party of the contract god said to abraham as for you you shall keep my covenant you and your offspring after you throughout their generations This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you every male among you shall be circumcised you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you he who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised every male throughout their generations whether born in your house or bought with your money from a foreigner who is not your offspring both he who was born in your house and he who was bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. Now, some of you must have already zoned out here and saying, "Well, all this circumcision talk has nothing to do with me." This has to do with the Israelites, right? In fact, it's, it's remarkable that even today, even today, the Jews are being circumcised eight days and older. One of the techniques, just just a bonus, one of the techniques that was used by the Germans. In World War I, to identify Jews was to strip them naked. This is a covenant. This is something that has continued among the Jews. But let me remind you, in case you've zoned out, let me remind you of Romans 2, 29, which reads, But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. Outward works of the law alone are not sufficient to please God. Doing things. Even seemingly good things are not enough to save us. This physical circumcision that we see here is an outward picture of what ought to be an inward reality. As we continue in our text from verse 15 after we've heard of uh, the blessings to Sarah in verse 15 and 16 we read in verse 17 that Abraham fell face down and laughed. Quickly jump there to verse 17 of a of our chapter it says then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old shall Sarah who is 90 years old bear a child we see here despite God's revelation of himself to Abraham as Almighty Abraham still doubts God's ability to fulfill his promise in fact, he comes up with an alternative plan. How's that? Abraham comes up with an alternative plan that the blessing should come through Israel rather than the than Israel. Rather than um Isaac, rather. He says, God, your plan is a pie in the sky. I know you are good, but not a chance will a woman who's 90 years old bear a son. Thank you for that. But here's an alternative plan. I have an idea. Let's use Ishmael. Notice that Sarah, his wife, does the same thing in, in chapter 18, verse 14. She loves and doubts God and for her efforts gets a rebuke from the Lord. Now, now, some of you here are parents. Imagine saying to your daughter or your son, on my way back, I'll get you a piece of chocolate. And she says, thanks, mom, dad, but you know what? You can't afford it. It is just too expensive for you. Now, that is that's a slap in the face. This is a worthless example in comparison to how offensive it is to doubt the God of the universe. To doubt the God who commanded the sun and the stars and the moon in place. Who positioned the sun at just the right place so it warms the earth and gives light and doesn't burn it. The God who says to the oceans, up to here and no further. Abraham is suffering from a common disease that we also suffer from we struggle with believing god's promises god promises that he will work all things for the good of those who love him in romans 28:28 28, 28. and what do we do we resent him when times of trouble come he promises us that he will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly and what do we do we take matters in our own hands we enter into romantic relationships with people who are not even believers God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, Romans twelve nineteen. And what do we do? We fester bitterness and at those who've hurt us, and we even come up with plans to avenge ourselves, not trusting God's promise. Friends, this is not how it's supposed to be. We are to be those who take God at his word because he is God and he cannot lie. Let's move now to our third and final subheading. Which is Abraham's response. Look at verse 22. When he had finished talking with him. God went up. From Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael his son. And those born in his house. Or bought with his money. Every male among the men of Abraham's house. And he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins. That. Very day as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael his son was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised, and all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Some of your translations in verse 23 say on that very day <laughs> what, an, what an incredible statement we see a change in behavior from Abraham though he initially doubted we now see an immediate re- response of obedience from him because of who God is we are to obey I'm trying to teach my children to obey me immediately and joyfully We're still working on the joyful part. But that's really the crux here. God calls us to do something we ought to obey immediately. He calls you this morning to obey Him in a specific area in your life that only you know. What specific area in your life does God call you to do something and you're not obeying immediately? Now, how about your marriage? Is there delayed obedience in living with your wife in an understanding way? How about in the area of purity? Is there disobedience there? Students, it's exam times. Are you immediately obeying the command to study when it's time to study? Or does your room room need cleaning all of a sudden when it's time to study? If you're an unbeliever this morning god calls you to one specific call to obedience before time runs out and that is for you to repent and turn away from your sins and believe in jesus christ as your savior will you also delay this this command will you come up with excuses you say oh but man if only you knew my sins surely jesus cannot accept me i'm sorry that excuse is not going to work because jesus says in john six thirty one, all that the father gives me will come to me listen to this it's so good whoever comes to me i will never cast out through his death on the cross jesus is able to save you if you would heal heed his call to come Or you come up with an excuse to say oh but christianity is boring i have to give up my fun sinful life you're deceived there is a way which seems right to a man but in the end it leads to death and christianity my friend is not boring jesus is the only person who is able to infinitely satisfy our deepest longings in closing I'd like to read an excerpt from one preacher who wrote of the all-surpassing joy we find in Christ. You know, I was trying to find a way to shorten it, but oh man, it's just so good. I just just want to read it to you, just to encourage you. This is what he says, and I quote. He says, says, Christ is most precious. Oh, sirs, angels are precious. Friends are precious. Heaven is precious. But Christ is 10,000 times more precious than these. A believer would rather have Christ without heaven than heaven without Christ. Let a believer search heaven and earth, and yet he will find nothing comparable to Christ. To be like Him is our happiness. To draw near to Him is our holiness. You see, beloved, life is precious, he continues to say. Freedom is precious. Health is precious peace is precious food and clothing are precious gold and silver are precious kingdoms and crowns are precious indeed they are in their places but nothing is as precious as christ he says mark says what the apostle says whatever was to my profit, i count as loss for the sake of christ the believer is the only blessed man The believer is the only happy man. The believer is the only rich man. Oh, what a glorious inheritance they are. They are born to who are newborn. All things are theirs and they shall inherit all things. All that Christ has is theirs. His wisdom is theirs to teach them. His love is theirs to pity them. His spirit is there to comfort them his righteousness is there to justify them his power is there to protect them his glory is there to crown them he says oh sirs christ cannot be but the most precious to a believer because all his precious comforts are come from christ the lord jesus is fairer than the fairest sweeter than the sweetest nearer than the nearest Dearer, dearer than the dearest, richer than the richest, better than the best. Christ is precious. He is very precious. He is most precious. He is always precious. He is altogether precious. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are astonished at your word. How even in texts, Lord, that seem obscure, we see Christ reign supreme and filling and fulfilling that text. Heavenly Father, would you pray that you'd make this word dwell richly in our hearts. If there's anyone here who has not yet bowed the knee, I pray, Lord, that he would bow and kiss the Son while he might still be found. Oh Lord, we pray now all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.